Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It is retreat day. Yes, it is, man. I am pumped, and I and I trust that I got a great night of sleep, and I am ready. I trust you for did the too. week of. I mean, the, so we're doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. our first retreat as a church and our first student retreat. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. we got this mansion in Anna that we're going to go to and have a great time. Yep. Yep. Mansions in Anna, mansions in heaven. Just mean, we're just preparing thing. for the future. Is right. all. I'm, try, I'm trying to help him figure right. it out. No, Josh is stoked. My son, Joshua, he was talking to me this morning. He was like, man, winter can't get here. Can't get here fast enough. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. I hear I am. plans of an all nighter and a polar plunge in the morning. And that's and, what they are not going to do because there <laughs> is a firm lights out and we will honor that lights out. And he doesn't know it yet, yeah. but he's going to honor it too. Yeah. Well, I think, I think your wife said, Hey, you know what? If you're going to do that, do that, but I'm going to sit behind you during the sermons and smack you in the back of the head if you guys are falling asleep. And that's it. That, that would be getting off very lightly. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to bring our custom Shabbat <laughs> <laughs> just in case we need to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I'm, I'm stoked. I, I think it's such a good thing. And uh, uh, dude, this is such an important series. We're going to talk about friendship. Yeah. Friendship. I mean, it's a, it's a topic that we often don't spend enough time thinking about, especially as adults. I mean, kids, it's a lot more salient and relevant to their lives, but even adults, man, uh, I was doing some reading and I, I realized, you know, we, we're not really great at friendship these days. Yeah. Do you have any close friends that you're like, man, I'm so grateful for that guy? Present company excluded. Present company obviously. excluded. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. No, totally. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think one of our pastors back in, uh, in AV, Lucas Pace was, PL, was yeah. a good friend of mine. And, I still uh, like him. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's all right. No. Um, and, and mostly, and I think the friendships that I value, and it's one of the value, reasons I value you, you as a friend as well, is the, the guys that are willing to put the finger in the chest yeah. and, uh, and yeah, do it yeah. lovingly and, and you know that they care about you. And I mean, those are, those are good. Um, you know, the, the proverb says the, the kisses of an enemy are profuse, right? Mm-hmm. But the blows of the friend are, are welcome. Right. Um, the, the, it's good. And so the, those are good friendships to have. Um, I consider my wife just a, a close friend, a dear friend, right? And they're our that's, best friends, I think. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, and I, I I don't take that for granted. Yeah, we actually we enjoy spending time together. We enjoy we that's go for good. walks together on the weekends, and we'll walk down to fourteen eighteen and spend that time just talking mm-hmm. along the way. And I always think about in the back of my mind the the marriages when the kids grow up and leave the home, the husband and wife are left to look at each other and go, what do we talk about Who now are that you? the kids are gone? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't want that. No, same, and no, I want to work same. hard at and not having that. That's good. Yeah. I think uh, Spurgeon wrote something about that. Or I don't know if it was Spurgeon or the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. I forget. They're confused in my mind right now. Who said Bunyan. what? Bunyan. Um, that friendship being one of the sweetest things in the world do- doesn't negate the fact that our wives are our best friends or our husbands in your case, if you're a woman listening. But beyond that, the, the the goodness and the joy of friendship, I can't wait to talk about this is what I'm saying. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be such a helpful sermon series, not only for the students, but even for us as adults. Because, yeah. man, I was convicted by some of this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is helpful. Oh, man, I'm a bad friend. Oh, I want to be a better friend. Oh, yeah. I, so this is cool. This is going to be then, fun. And then you texted me that book and you were like, you need to read this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Only well, because I was, so, I was so moved by it. I'm like, this is... It's it was a it's a small book so I think it's called um it's called Made for Friendship yeah by Drew Cole it's either Drew or Cole or Cole Drew I can't okay. it's one one or the other anyway uh, I would recommend that I, I just wrapped it up yesterday or the day before I can't recall when but I really appreciated his take on the value of friendship and 
modern days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's Drew Hunter. Drew. <laughs> Uh, that's the name Drew of the guy. Cole, Cole Drew, Drew Hunter. So I mean, it's, I was in the ballpark. Cole is nowhere in the title. As yeah. a friend, I can't let you <laughs> go on without correcting. That's funny. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, okay. So in, in lieu of our yesterday's podcast, we're still giving you recommendations. Yeah. I recommend this one. Yeah. That's a good one. Another book on friendship. I don't know if you've read it, but uh, The Company We Keep by Jonathan Holmes. Uh, it's a smaller one. one. Um, I can't remember the keep. the uh, pull it up right now. The publisher. You would recognize the publisher. They've done quite a few, uh, just smaller books. So it's it's super readable. But uh, actually went to college with John Holmes, uh, and he is a pastor with uh, Alistair Begg, who oh. is not the most popular name right now. Dude, but what happened? What he? Uh, okay, so I yeah. didn't see it. Did you see this? I I didn't. I know Mark did. Our, our kidsman director. He did. <sighs> okay, so and, uh, everyone, let's get on the same page. Yeah. It's, I guess I didn't see, I haven't seen it. I, I guess it's verifiable, but it seems like our, one of our beloved pastoral friends, Alistair Begg suggested that uh, a mom perhaps attend a wedding of a trans couple. Let's call it that someone who identifies as the opposite gender. And so he was, you know, as Christian Twitter often is, he was very graciously (laughs) rebuked. Right tongue-in-cheek there uh but yeah it was it was kind of i was shocked i hadn't seen it yet and i still haven't looked it up but uh, if if he did say that I, I would really love to hear what his rationale is not that i think that changes a whole lot but i uh but i'd be interested to figure that out well let's actually bring our beloved kidsman director let's bring him on because i know he did now this is cold i just texted him in his defense i just texted him and said hey can you come in here for a second wow here we go we're talking about Al Mo- or not Al Moeller. Al Yikes. Moeller. Ah, I sorry. I just see. Go. I see Mark, and I think Al Moeller. Okay. No, we're talking about Alistair Begg and uh, what he said recently. It, we're not super in depth on it. We were chatting about another author that is a pastor at his church. But I know that you looked into it more robustly than either of the two of us did, and actually, I think listened to the interaction. So, Mark, can you comment on uh, what you took away from that? What did he say, and and why should we be aware of this? So I didn't look into it in the most extreme depth, but I did listen to the clip. And I think that fundamentally he is misguided in what he's saying. So in this clip, he's answering a question in a Q&A type format. I'm not exactly clear if it's on the radio or what, but sort of as an addendum to answering another question, he brings up this important point of what do you do when you come to the position of being invited to a transgender wedding, meaning mm. a wedding between somebody who okay, so it's an is, invitation got it. Okay, yep. And this invitation, you have to decide whether you're going to accept it or not. His recommendation, and I would disagree with this, is that you go to this wedding and you go to this wedding and you bring a gift. And the point of that would be so that you can demonstrate love to this person and surprise them. And he specifically talks about reinforcing the stereotype of the Christian who is very opposed to a wedding of this nature. And that you can surprise someone and show them the love of Christ by attending this wedding. Thank you for that summarization. It sounds like kind of what we thought it was going to be. Right. And the, the problem and the reason why, and Mark, you're right in your analysis of that and your assessment of that too. The, the reason why we would say, no, that's not okay. If you remember back to even the Old, te- Old 
Old Testament, the old fashioned ways of a, a pastor doing a wedding. That's one really of the comments he would say is, hey, is there anyone here who has any reason why these two should not be wed? If so, speak now or forever hold your peace. Your presence at a wedding, it, it communicates an approval of the relationship. You're it, a witness. Yeah, you are an, a witness. You are here to say, I agree with the union. This In is support a good of thing. it. Exactly. And that's why they used to say that. Anyone can see a reason why, speak now or forever hold your peace. If we're going to be present at a wedding and not hold our peace, uh, then then we should do that. If, if we're going to be present there and just let it all go, then we are effect, in effect saying we, by our presence, are saying that this is a good thing. So Christians, should you go to a same-sex wedding? Should you go to a, a transgender wedding? The answer is, is no, because your presence there affirms that this is a good thing. And biblically speaking, we can't do that. Mark, thanks for your flexibility. Appreciate you being wow. thrown on the podcast last, last, last second. Last minute, handled it with such We'll put smoothness. your name in the credits. <laughs> Get a shout out this time around. All right. Uh, well, let's get into Genesis. Okay. Uh, did you find that book, by the way? I did. Yes, I did. It is, I, and I, it's in my, it's in my, uh, what's that called? My cart? Your cart. It's called The Company We Keep. Yep. Yeah, you were right. In Search of Biblical Friendship. Yeah. Yeah, it's helpful. Probably a lot of overlap in the, the one by Cole Hunter. Hughes, Cole John. John Cole Hunter, Mark mm-hmm. Coleman. Yep. Kogan. Yep. Uh, <laughs> probably a lot of, of, of overlap there, but, but helpful. Well, let's get in Genesis chapter 38. And speaking of a situation that is, is not good, uh, we have that. In fact, I, I, t- I titled this chapter, Bad, 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 More Bad, Good. <laughs> yeah. Because it, that. It, it just, it, it, there's a little bit of good here, but most of it's bad. Um, Judah ends up uh, taking a wife from the Canaanite women, and that's not a, a good thing uh, because that is, is uh, not what God wanted. He didn't want the intermingling there between his people and the Canaanites, and, and so he has some offspring, and his offspring are, are just not winners. Ur was a wicked man. Onan was a wicked man, uh, and they have uh, have a situation wherein um, they, this one woman is married, uh, Tamar is married, and they're the husband dies and then the next one comes in and, and is supposed to fulfill a duty. Now this is a, this requires some explanation because it's not the same for us. The brother's job was to come in and provide an heir for his deceased brother. So he was to come in and provide offspring for the deceased brother to carry on the deceased brother's name, reputation, property, all of those things. Which would then mean he doesn't get that because he's Which now married to he his, doesn't get that. Right. his brother's widow. Right, right. So Ur dies, right? Uh, the Lord puts him to death for his wickedness. We don't know what his wickedness was, but this is a bad situation that God has to step in and say, okay, I'm going to take you out. Then Onan, uh, his brother, is supposed to go in and provide this offspring for his now deceased brother. He doesn't do that. And we'll keep it PG as far as what happens, but he doesn't do that. And so the Lord puts him to death. Well, Judah now is looking at his other son that's there, Shelah, and uh, and really the, the law as it was understood at this time, even though it's not codified because we haven't gotten to Sinai yet, said that that Shelah should be given to Tamar uh, to, to provide the offspring. Judah doesn't want Shayla to die because now he's looking at Tamar going, maybe something's wrong with you. Yeah. Because my other two kids have died and you're the common denominator. So he withholds his son from her. Again, this is not good. What Judah has done here. Well, then Tamar is left to her own devices and she decides she's going to deceive Judah. She dresses like a prostitute. Judah goes into her, which, okay, there's, there's a whole lot of problems even just with that there. Right. And, uh, and she conceives, uh, it's found out that she's pregnant. Judah originally accuses her of wrongdoing. She reveals through his pledge that she had, he had left behind with her, that he was the one, the father, and he realizes that he was in the wrong. 
so where's the good that comes from all this? Well, the good that comes from all this is one of the children born because there's twins is a man named Perez. Now, Perez is going to be the one that would perpetuate the line of Christ. Matthew chapter one, verse three, we see that, uh, that the, the line of Christ actually goes from Judah through Tamar to Perez and then the descendants of Perez until you get down to Jesus. So uh, a pretty ugly situation that God ends up redeeming to provide the continuation of the promised line that would be the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant and you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Dude, I don't, I, I'm looking at this and I, I, this is a plot twist of epic proportions. Yeah. Because this is gross. It's awful. What a terrible situation. And God's like, I'm just going to use this. I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to make this thing part of my story for redeeming humanity. Right. I can't, like, I, we read this. I've read this, I don't know, countless times now. And I just, I want to feel the sense of how much of an upturning and twisting of events that this is. This is like reading your favorite murder mystery novel and then it's like what it was this person all along this is one of those situations where god's like i love a good story this is the heart of god right he would rather because this is what happens he would rather have an imperfect story because it more greatly magnifies his glory in storytelling and in creating an end that through various means that just seems so improbable he magnifies his wisdom and his his intellect by yeah. doing stuff like this. I think this is amazing. Granted, it's icky. <laughs> right. Let's not deny that. It is icky, but this is also a really beautiful encapsulation of God's storytelling capability, right. which tells us that our lives are pretty interesting too, because he's going to, he does things like this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is icky because it's on the page in front of us, but it's also a reminder to us that all of humanity is broken, right? I mean, it's not like there's a, a, an ideal, a perfect, a sinless line that God could have chosen to, to bring Christ out of. So sure. when we see Tamar and, and other names later on in the, the lineage of Christ, it's important for us to remember that that all mankind has fallen short of the glory of God, that, that we are all sinners in that, you know, from that perspective, to think that the Son of God would come through the line of sinful humanity to begin with is, is a plot twist. Seems like he really goes out of his way, though, to find, like, the worst. Well, like, let yeah. Let me just find something really bad. Like, he could have come, he could have come through Joseph. He Joseph was honorable, and he—I mean—he had—he had a lot of things working for him, and yeah. people would be like, "Oh, that makes sense." Yeah. But instead, he chose Judah's line, which is fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of, why is chapter thirty-eight in chapter thirty-eight? You have Joseph, the story beginning in chapter thirty-seven, and then you have Jod, uh, Judah and Tamar, and then it jumps back to Joseph. What gives with that, man? Uh, meanwhile, I, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. What's what's going on at the the same time of uh, what's yeah. going on? And okay. I think it's a in part a, a time marker. Okay. That yeah, yeah. You, to that. your point, there's a lot going on in uh, in Joseph's life right now. He's he's there in Egypt. He's been sold into slavery into Potiphar's house. And um, meanwhile, back in in Israel, other things are still happening. So yeah. the focus we can be tempted, especially with 13 chapters, I guess 12 chapters, focus on Joseph's life to think to zoom in so much that this is all that's going on. But God is doing other things at the same time. Yeah, that's a good observation. Chapter 38 does begin with it happened at that time. Yeah, and it also serves to I think also serves as a good foil, a good contrast to Joseph's chapter interaction. 39. Yeah, chapter 39. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, and and that's a great point because in chapter 39 you have a situation where uh, I mean all the deception and the 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 ickiness of chapter 38, you get to chapter 39 and, and here you have like, there doesn't need to be a whole lot of work to deceive and, and cover this up. This is not a situation where, I mean, the, 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 the bed is made so to speak. And, uh, and here you have Potiphar's wife entreating Dude. Joseph multiple times. Wickedness, man. Um, yeah. And just Joseph's integrity. Uh, I, I marked that in verses eight and nine, the fact that he it immediately rejects this and, and God, 
had blessed Joseph. Again, the Abrahamic covenant that he will bless those who bless him. So uh, Pharaoh or Potiphar rather at this point is enjoying the blessings on his household because Joseph's there and because Joseph is a man of God. And so these things are going well. Joseph is elevated, and this is a common theme in Joseph's life, uh, along with the, the the trials and the the imprisonments and the pit. But anytime things are going well, he's entrusted with a great deal of responsibility. And so that happens in Potiphar's house, and uh, Potiphar's wife says it says that Joseph was a good looking guy. He was handsome in appearance. Verse six, uh, Potiphar's wife wants a little bit more out of Joseph, and so she entreats him, and he says no, and holds Which is fast. Shocking. Yeah, yeah. As a slave, I, I, I mean, I was even thinking as a slave, did he have the right to say no? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but that is, it is shocking for a lot of reasons. It is, and and yet his reasoning is not primarily about Potiphar, though he does cite Potiphar. He says, "Look, my master hasn't held back anything from from my property except for you." Um, I, I would, it would be a sin against him, but he says more than that. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God in verse nine? Boom. And so th- this is, get out of here. Yeah. This is where I, you know, you wish David had been prior God, to the Jezebel. sin with Bathsheba. Oh yeah. Yeah. David gets there against you and you only have I sinned. Psalm 51. Uh, Joseph understands that on the front end. Yep. He's like, man, for me to do this would be to sin against Potiphar and sin against his wife, but also just more importantly, sin against God. So he says no. And then you've got his persistent purity in, in verse 10. I mean, she's coming back at him and, and keeps inviting. And, and then you've got his knowledge of when to flee in verse 12. I was talking with my kids about that recently because we're going through the Psalms together in the mornings during our family Bible time. And we went to Psalm 1 and we talked about uh, the, the, the contrast between verses 1 and 2. The, the sinner doesn't know when to flee. He walks in the counsel of the wicked. He stands and then he sits with the mockers. He stands with sinners and sits with mockers. He's taking up residence there. He thinks he's going to be okay in, uh, in speaking of the company that we keep in that book title. He, he thinks he's going to be okay with, with the wicked. Joseph is like the righteous man. He's fleeing when he knows when to flee. So much so that he's leaving his, his cloak behind and that's what ends up being the, the object to, uh, to condemn him. Though I, I have to imagine that Potiphar knew the kind of woman that his wife was. Because think about it, if you will, for a second. Here you've got an Egyptian slave or an Israelite slave right. in your household, and your wife is saying that he tried to force himself upon her, upon me. If Potiphar really believed that that took the, took place, Joseph's dead. Yeah, Joseph's dead, not yep. in jail. Totally he's dead. So I think Potiphar, looking to save face, probably himself, because he's embarrassed by his right. wife's behavior, says, "Okay, I'm going to imprison him," and so he gets sent to jail. I'm with you on that, man. It says here that his anger was kindled. But it doesn't say against two. <laughs> it's true. So verse 19, anger was kindled. Yeah. One other small observation before we wrap up this chapter here. Just notice all of Joseph's success is not because Joseph is incredibly wise and incredibly good looking. <laughs> it's because the Lord was with him. Right. You notice that all over this text, you say, I think it's one, two, three, three times. Yep. Three times you see the Lord was with him. The Lord is with him. That's the marker of Joseph's success. It's yep. God's presence. Even in jail, verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph right. and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And we're going to find out what happens in jail there. But but Joseph's going to be in jail for a little bit of time. Uh, again, we read these things so quickly, and it seems like, okay, this is uh, this is bing, bang, bong. It's not. It, there, is, there are years that are passing here. No bing, bang, bong here. Nope. Nope. So in chapter 40, then, I titled this one, The Dreamer Becomes the Dream Interpreter. Yeah, dreams play a, a big role in Joseph's life from the beginning all the way through. And so here he's in jail. Um, the, the, the two characters here, the cup bearer and the baker have dreams. And, and you may be wondering, okay, what's the deal with all the dream talk? Well, dreams during this time were considered to be messages from the gods. Divine and, messages. Yeah. And so when people had a dream, they took it very seriously. Think about Nebuchadnezzar. Same thing. 
that we see in the book of Daniel. But here, people have dreams. They want to know what they mean. And so uh, they're looking for an interpretation. And Joseph sees that they're upset. They say, he says, why so glum chums? And they, they tell him. And he says, okay, well, don't the interpretations belong to God? Let me know what the dreams are. And so, you know the story again, if you're familiar with the Bible, there's two dreams. It goes well for the cupbearer, not well for the baker. He tells the cupbearer, hey, remember me when you get elevated. And you would think the cupbearer would because Joseph is giving him such good news and uh, the, the dreams are fulfilled. And then unfortunately, verse 23, the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him and will forget him for another two years Crazy. in prison. Crazy. Um, this is, I mean, this is bad. Uh, one note here, Genesis 40 verse one, Joseph had been in slavery in prison at this point for over 10 years. So not just in jail for 10 years, but slavery. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery, as Pastor Rod noted last time. And he's 30 when he ends up entering Pharaoh's service three years after these events. So at this point in time, even before the, t- the extra two years that he's going to wait there, he's been either in slavery or in jail for 10 years. Or yeah, I guess he could be in the house of Potiphar too. Some some part of that time. That's frame. what I mean by slavery. I mean Got he's okay. he's away from his family. He's been right. sold by his brothers. This is ten years, years of the last. Years later. This yeah. is and this is crazy because again we we go by so quickly and we just forget. And in our lives, God takes. I don't think he takes any different time frames. He takes time to do things in our lives. We're talking about the church plant and right. thinking about all that's happening here. We're, we're not even in year one yet. I know. I was thinking about that the other day. And we're, we're just getting started. Yeah. Man, we, we got to be patient to let God do what he's going to do when he's going to do it. Yep. And that's where, I mean, I guess patience is what we're going to talk about next month for our women's and men's Bible study. Yep. So that'll be a helpful and timely message for sure. Yeah, patience. And and listen, when we see what what Joseph is doing here, yeah, Pastor Rod's right. He was blessed because God was with him. But he was, along those lines, God was with him, I think, also because of his integrity, uh, because of his godliness, and because he was he was doing things the right way. And uh, and we want to make sure that as even as we think about just what we were just talking about, we're, we're five months as an official church plant, you know, five months that we've been into this. And it's like, we want to be five years down the road in some regards, as far as seeing the, the results of our labors and fruit right. of our labors. But listen, if we're going to get there, we got to make sure that we're doing things the right way. We got to make sure that we are uh, plowing, sowing, yeah, being men of integrity and men of purity. And, and so, Hey, listen, church, pray for us uh, on that regard. Don't ever take it for granted. Your, your pastor's um, standing and, uh, and, and continued standing. Pray for us, pray for our strength, pray for our godliness, pray for our leadership, pray for our marriages. We need those things uh, because we want to lead well and we want to we want God to be with what we're doing here at this church. Well, one quick final thing on this chapter as we wrap up this one. Uh, I, w- I want you to see here in verse eight uh, what Joseph says to, to those who are around him. He says, look, do not interpretations belong to God. Please mm. tell them to me. This is a clear marker that Joseph's heart is beginning to be softened by his struggles and his suffering. It was not overnight. Remember, when he's 17 years old, he's like, hey, y'all are going to bow down to me, and it's going to be amazing. Right? Can't you guys wait for that? It's amazing that he, he goes from that pompous, arrogant 17-year-old to now saying, look, hey, interpretations belong to God. But he's yep. not even done yet. God still got work to do on him. But what we can see here is it takes several years for God to continue to work on the heart of Joseph and prepare him for being exalted. In the same way, there's no microwave Christianity. When you're pursuing sanctification, you you can't just press a button and say that it's going to be done overnight. We have to be willing to let God work on this over the course of months and years and even years after that. One of the things John Piper said that stuck with me years ago is that one of his reflections being how old he was at the time. He said, I can't believe how slow sanctification has taken place. Mm. I thought I'd be much further along by now. And I can never find out where that was that he said that because I've, I've looked for that. But I, I, I reckon with that. I feel that. 
I mean, I don't know if you feel that, Pastor yeah. PJ, even being the age that you are. I feel <laughs> that today. <laughs> I feel that today being my age. I, I felt this 10 years ago, but nevertheless, yeah. be patient with God. He's working on you. Let him do what he's doing and trust him in the process. Yeah. Amen to that. We'll keep reading your Bibles and we will be back with Joseph again tomorrow as we keep going. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.